This is Youpreneur FM, the official podcast of the Youpreneur Mastermind Community, a place where no entrepreneur gets left behind in their pursuit of building a business they can be proud of. And now, and now, here's your host, serial entrepreneur and best-selling author, Chris Ducker. Chris Ducker. Hello, 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 and welcome to episode number 206 of Youpreneur FM. I'm your host, Chris Ducker, and thank you very much for being with me. You know, I often say that there are a lot of business podcasts that you could be listening into to learn how to build your business in a more savvy, smart manner. However, you choose to tune in to mine, uh, and you're doing it right now, to be precise. So I don't take that for granted, and I do genuinely, genuinely appreciate it. So thank you very, very much. On today's show, we talk with Sir Roger Edwards. He's not really a Sir, but I think the Queen would eventually get around <laughs> to dropping a knighthood on this gentleman. Such an amazingly fun guy to talk with, but just insightful as hell. And we're going to be talking all about his personal brand entrepreneur journey and how he's gone from real hardcore corporate life into consulting and making silly amounts of money in the process. Before I do that, however, let me just remind you that if you haven't already done so, you can get a hold of my brand new ebook, The Personal Branding Roadmap. It's only been out for a few months now. Tens of thousands of people have already downloaded it. I'd love for you to do so as well if you haven't already done so. You can head over to youpreneur.com forward slash ebook. Plain and simple. Ten quick steps to breathe new life into your personal brand and way beyond. I'd love for you to check it out sincerely. And uh, that's it for me. Let's get into this conversation with Roger. Lots to talk about in regards to the transition from corporate life to consulting and how he's had to overcome some hurdles in regards to getting that tech jargon taken care of in a pretty stuffy industry. You'll see what I mean by all that in a minute. Here's myself and Roger. Enjoy. So, Roger, welcome to the show. Hi, Chris. How are you doing? I'm very good, sir. It's a pleasure to have you with us, man. I'm, I'm so glad that uh, we were able to get this onto the schedule. Thanks for having me, Chris. It's really good to be on the show. Really looking forward to talking to you today. Yeah, me too. Now, the reason why I asked you to come on is that you're a little different to... I would say not the majority, but a large number of the guests that we have on the show on a regular basis. Meaning, number one, you're British, you're not American. Um, you are also of the, should we say, more mature. <laughs> I'm t- I mean, I'm I, we're, British, we're, I'm mature. <laughs> we're about the same age, give or take a year or two, probably. But um, see, the majority of the people that come on the show, a lot of them, you know, they tend to be sort of a good five to 10 years younger than me. And they're sort of hot on all the online stuff and all that kind of stuff. But with you, and this is why I wanted you to come on the show. Yeah. You've engaged yourself in the online world. You've immersed and embraced yourself in the online world. But you come from a very old kind of extremely regulated, almost stuffy industry in the finance game. Um, And now as a consultant, you're helping other people in that industry become less old and less stuffy. Is that the right way to put it? I think that's probably right. I'm probably (laughs) the oldest person on Snapchat. 
Um, you know, I actually, I've actually <laughs> Snapchat. Uh, I, I sort of cut the cloth on um, on on the video on on Snapchat, that, and, and I've moved on, and, and I've really embraced all of these sorts of things. And yes, my background is UK financial services. I'll I'll just add a little extra onto that to say that I'm not an accountant. I'm not an actuary. I am quite creative. My background is marketing. I've had all sorts of marketing roles, marketing director, et cetera, et cetera. Right. But yeah, financial services is incredibly heavily regulated and doing new stuff in UK financial services is very difficult because mm. people are worried about what sort of messages they might give out, whether they'll break the rules, whether they'll break the advertising rules and whether they'll break the com- communication rules. So you do have to be careful. But I think that my experience has been in my journey that sometimes you can almost rely upon those regulations to avoid doing new stuff and to avoid being creative. And I've always been a creative person, Chris. I like experimenting with new stuff. You know, I wish we'd had iPhones and the digital and social media and live video streaming 20 years ago when mm-hmm. I wasn't old. But, you know, why not embrace it? Whatever your age, you know, this is the way the world is. You, if you're in business these days, you've got to look at technology and how it can help you to help your customers the thing is though so many people are just refusing to do that so how do we overcome i mean how have you overcome it in an industry like the financial services game how have you overcome the reluctance to jump into the 21st century i guess you know this as well as I do. It's a long game. <laughs> and, and, and when you have an, an industry that is resistant to change, it, it unfortunately becomes an even longer game. I, I think I've heard you say on, on this podcast, Chris, that the United States, for example, is about five years ahead mm-hmm. yep. when it comes to content marketing, social media, et cetera, et cetera. I think that if you look at the financial services industry, in the UK, possibly in, in any country, you could probably add another couple of years on top of that because of this uh, re- resistance to change. So the way I've gone about it really is to be a content creator and a practitioner and to get myself out there in front of audiences who know me from my previous roles as marketing director and managing director of, of various financial services companies and show them that it can work in a practical sense. So I'm doing it. I'm producing podcasts. I'm going on live video. I'm creating video for YouTube. And slowly, ever so slowly, people are starting to notice and people are starting to say, do you know what? I could do this. And, and I'll, I'll give you an example. I was recently talking to a group of financial advisors in London. Mm-hmm. And, and actually, this was, a, this was a workshop that they were doing to use some new software. So again, a a digital connection, Uh, some software to help them actually be better financial planners. So it it helps them to to work out the plans that their their clients need to put in place over a number of years. And effectively, they wanted to have what they called a light-hearted 45 minutes halfway through the day. So they thought they'd get me in there. And I started off by just saying, guys, I want you to reach into your pocket or reach into your bag and hold your phone up and we're going to talk about this remarkable device that you've got in your, fo- in, in your pocket or your bag. And, and I asked them what it was. And, of course, the inevitable response was, it's a phone. Hmm. So, okay, of course it was, it's a phone, but it's a lot more than a phone. And try to tease it out of them as to what they had in their pocket. Hmm. And, you know, five minutes later, you're saying, 
okay, it's a TV studio. You know, the iPhone 6S, the equivalent Samsung, can produce 4K video. That's better than what you get on BBC um, mainline broadcasts. Mm-hmm. It's a radio station. You can dictate into your phone and the words will appear on the screen as you've said them without hardly any mistakes. Here is a device that you've got that you can create content on the go where, wherever you are on the train, walking down the street, and you're not using it. You're not using it. And you need to start using it to get it. And, and, and you know what it's like when you're in an audience situation. You'll know this better than me. When the light bulbs go off in people's faces, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's off in their eyes and think, oh, of course, of course. And you just have to keep pushing that sort of message out there and demonstrating the possibility. And I think, you know, joking aside, I am an old guy, although not that old just yet. Older, I think. Yeah, I mean, you're not, you're not over there. <laughs> <laughs> we, we need to add a disclaimer here. I probably kicked it off just a little too brutal on you right yes. out of the gate. Yeah. Yes. He's, I, think- I mean, we're not talking walking stick or anything no. like that. <laughs> In fact, the complete opposite. One day each week, you're teaching bloody body combat or something, and the next minute, you're teaching yoga. So you're very teaching, fit and healthy. Teaching uh, nights a week. I think there's a great Bon Jovi song that I always read. It's actually called Older, and there's a lyric in it, which is, I'm not old, just older. I think that's a great one. Yeah. Uh, but I think there's a, certain, there's a certain reassurance. If you're standing in front of an audience of people who are slightly concerned about regulation slightly concerned about where digital might be going i think there's a certain reassurance for them to see somebody of my age stood in front of them talking to them about it possibly mm-hmm. i don't know but if it was a 20 year old stood there saying hey you've got to use snapchat you've got to use instagram you've got to be on periscope you've got to be on facebook live they may just think nah you yeah. don't know what you're talking about but yeah. i think i've got the the experience of working in a marketing role for many, many years and a profile that I've built up over many, many years. And because of that, I think people say, you know, we can't really ignore this guy. I think he's onto something here. But I have to admit, Chris, it's hard. You've got to keep pushing it. You've got to keep pushing it. Yeah, you do. You're absolutely right. So let's talk about then, let's zoom in on on how you personally have been able to build out this really profitable consulting brand for yourself in an industry that is a little bit behind in the times to a certain degree. Um, what have you done as a personal brand entrepreneur over the last couple of years to really catapult your brand as a whole and, and sort of, you know, land the gigs, quite frankly, that you've been getting? Yeah, okay. So if I if I take you back a few years to when I was working in big corporate. Um so if we go back to around about 2008. So it's a couple of years after Twitter had started. Mm-hmm. And I dove into Twitter straight away and I did all the things that a lot of people did, you know, posted what I was having for lunch and <laughs> what my what color my jacket was that day or what color right. my tie. Was. Right. All of the stuff that people did. And I was probably the the same as a lot of people. What the hell is this? This is totally totally nuts and and then and there was but one day i think it was something so simple as somebody tweeted a link to an article in a magazine and of course that was that moment i thought hold on a second this is an amazing piece of communication and i suppose that got me interested to rather than just treat twitter as something which was a little bit flippant i actually thought right i'm going to really sit down and look at this now mm. and think how I could apply it in a marketing situation. 
Uh, and that got me, what, what I saw there got me really excited. But of course, the first thing I had to do was to, um, as marketing director, write to the um, head of IT and say, you see this block you've put on this Twitter? I can't use it. I'm the marketing director. Can you let me have access to Twitter? And there was a whole debate that went on for several weeks as to whether we should allow people within the company, even people in a relatively senior role, to actually have access to this stuff. So that gives you an idea as to the sort of the, the, the fear and the resistance hmm. to the way things were going. But as a result of that, um, quite early on, this is going back to about 2009, my team and I set up a blog for the company that we work for. The company we work for was called Bright Grey. It's a great, great name for a company. It doesn't sound like financial services. That gives you a clue <laughs> straight away. Yeah. And the blog site... Uh, it was called something like Uncovered UK, and, and we people had to be careful not just to type in Uncovered. I think Uncovered.com might have been a porn site. <laughs> Uncovered-UK right. actually was this blog. And we were doing blogs, Chris. This was in 2008, 2009. Right. And we did video as well. Now, of course, in those days, the iPhone wasn't quite, wasn't quite as good as it is now. In fact, it was probably version one or two. So we were actually getting film crews in <laughs> to film the segments and then uploading them to, to YouTube, et cetera, et cetera. But the, the sentiment was still there. And we got to the stage where the traffic to the blog site was actually better than the traffic to the company's main site. Yeah, doesn't surprise and, me. No, and, and I'm thinking, you know, because the blogs were chatty, it wasn't written in corporate language, it wasn't management speak. And, of course, that's the other thing about the financial services industry, Chris, is that the language is just off the scale with, with its um, bombacity and its, and its BS, I suppose. And, and I'm sitting there thinking, we're really onto something here. And then I get, then I started coming across podcasts like your own podcast, the, the original New Business podcast, Marcus Sheridan's Sales Lion, you know, uh, Mitch Joel, those sorts of podcasts. Yep. And started thinking this is absolutely the way to go. And I guess that over the next couple of years, I pushed and pushed and pushed to get to, to get more resource to to do more of this sort of stuff. But there was so much resistance to it that in the end, and I'll not, I'll not go into the story because it, it's, it's not that interesting, I left the company because I just felt the only way I can do this is if I'm out there on my own and I'm not constrained by the big corporate environment. Mm. And I knew that there were enough people out there who needed my help that I should go out there and, and start talking to them as an independent. I love that. I love the background. So what was the first thing then? What, where, where did you start? What was the first thing you did once the company was set up and you were ready to you know, start, you know, sort of start bringing in some business? What was the first few things that you did to get yourself out there? The first few things that I did was just played to my existing network. And obviously, over 20-odd over years, I built up quite a significant network. Sure. I knew people. So obviously, that was the first step. That was the way to go. But of course, I wanted to build, I wanted to build an audience, not just of my existing network as well. I, wanted to, I, I didn't want to ultimately just focus on financial services, although there's a hell of a lot to be done in that area. I wanted to widen it out a bit. So the first piece of action that I took after building the website, setting up the limited company and all of that, was to go all in on podcasting. And again, I say you, you had a massive influence on me here yourself, Marcus Sheridan's podcast as well. 
and the podcast was the first thing that I did. And I promoted that quite heavily through social media, started building an email list, used a lead magnet, primarily ebooks. Chris, I used as sure. lead magnets, started to build uh, an email list. And it was the, the podcast was almost like the, the, the backbone of the proposition that I was putting together. Now, again, a lot of people, and I still have this conversation, I have to say, a lot of people would say to me, what the hell is a podcast? You know, oh, um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a radio show you can download and listen to in the bath or on the train or on the plane or wherever you are. Oh, that sounds interesting. So I still get that even now. But the podcast was the backbone of what I wanted to do. And I focused a lot of attention on getting people, recognizable people within the financial services industry, but also occasionally bringing a guest on like yourself, who's outside of the industry, could get an international perspective or a slightly different angle, mm-hmm. to just, just to, uh, to make it a little bit more varied. And I, start, I just focused on that. And I was very, very conscious of things that people like yourself had said and other podcasters that you've got to do this consistently, you've got to do it over time, and you've got to be in it for the long game. You can't give up after seven episodes, which I think is probably the average. That no, it is. People, yeah. Yeah, it is for sure. You know, so I'll be totally honest with you and the listeners of your show. It was episode 30. Episode 30, before I can say that I got a piece of work directly as a result of the podcast. Now, up until that point, I was getting work through my network, which was fine. So I wasn't worried. But it was episode 30 before I could say, here's a piece of work directly as a result of somebody listening so, to the podcast. So let me ask you this. And like, what kept you going for those 29 other episodes? I think it's important for people listening to understand, like, what's the defining factor to carry on, even though, I mean, what you're doing is you're stoking the fire, you're stoking the fire, you're stoking the fire. You know what I mean? Like, what yeah. kept you going in the, in the 29 other episodes up to that point? Well, the first thing is that I just absolutely enjoyed doing podcasts. I thought right. that okay. the medium was, is just awesome. You know, I love video as well, but there's something intimate about a podcast. Mm-hmm. And, and again, you know, people can listen to podcasts wherever they are. Um, you know, you can't really watch a video wherever you, well, you certainly shouldn't watch a video when you drive in a car, for example, but you can listen to a podcast in the car. You can listen to a podcast when you're cleaning the house, cooking a meal or wherever you might be. And I, I, I guess that I, I've always liked to help people. I've always liked to learn. And to me, the podcast vehicle is ideal because I get to interview great people who ultimately are going to help the people that I want to help. But at the same time, I'm learning stuff from the people I'm interviewing. It's just such an amazing sort of um, win-win situation, isn't it? I completely agree with you. And I've I've commented a couple of times on the show here that, you know, I started podcasting in 2010 extremely selfishly. Yeah. Like, I I mean, I, I have been very, like, I wanted to grow my own online brand and my online business, but I didn't really know how to go about it. But I knew that I could chat it up and therefore started a podcast very selfishly to basically get free consulting from mm-hmm. everybody that knew what they were doing. And that's, I mean, that's I, fine. That's, that's what it's about. Yeah. And I'd be having conversations with my wife saying, oh, I've got Ryan Hanley coming on in two weeks time. I've got XYZ coming on in three weeks time. I was looking forward to these conversations. Now you, you asked me the question is, you know, how did I stick with it for 29 episodes? Yeah. Yes. Actually, perversely, 
I could have been tempted to carry on because I was enjoying it enough without actually thinking about the business implications. Mm. So I think rather than thinking I, I might have to give this up because it isn't working, I had to flip it the other way around and think I, I, I shouldn't carry this on just because I'm enjoying it. I had to get that business balance, but I think it, it started to work. And from episode 30 onwards, business started coming in and then the, the milestone the milestone for me, and, and I should have written down the episode, it was either eight, episode 89 or episode 90. I got a call as a, as a result of that particular episode, and that led to a five-figure piece of business. Now, it wasn't an upper-end five-figure piece of business. It was pretty much down towards the lower end, but it was a five-figure piece of business yeah. as a result of the podcast. And that was a that was a br- breaking open the champagne moment. Yeah, and, and, you know, that's when you think, no, it is a long game, but if you stick at it, and you've said this before, if you're consistent, if you show up, and you give people good quality, you give them help, then ultimately it pays off, and ultimately you know you start to get people wanting to do work with you because they've listened to you talk, yeah. they trust you, they like you. That's what it is. Perfect. That's exactly what it is. Well. Let's shift gears for a little bit. Let's talk about people. Let's talk about support and accountability. You are a Upreneur community member. Um, yep. You have been one pretty much since day one, I believe, or very, very close to it. And, yep. uh, you know, we've developed a unique friendship over the over the time that we've known each other. And I've seen you inside of the community on a very regular basis, conversing with people, asking things from people, giving back to your fellow youpreneurs and so on and so on. How important do you, and I'm not just saying specifically youpreneur, um, although please feel free to sing praises as loud as you want, but I mean like how how important has it been for you as you've been building up the consulting side of the, of the personal brand and just the business side of it as a whole? How important has it been for you to be around those other like-minded people that really get it? This is really interesting. I think that when I left big corporate, it was like a huge weight had been taken off my shoulders. And, Mm. you know, in combination with the yoga that you mentioned before and the body combat, I'm probably more, I'm fitter and, and, and more calm than I've ever been in my entire life. And certainly big corporate has its stresses. But the thing that I missed the most about being part of a company was the instant access to other people. You know, even having a personal assistant was somebody there who could talk to you. You know, she might be typing stuff up. She might be arranging flights. She might be booking Mm -hmm. meetings, that sort of thing. There you have somebody who is always there to talk to and to bounce ideas off. And, And Michelle, if you're listening to this, was an amazing PA. I still have coffee with her and she still calls me Gov. I love the fact that she still calls me Gov. Um, but I really miss that. You know, if I, I was sat in the office and I'd have an idea and it might be a really daft idea, Chris, you know, I often have really daft ideas. I just wander down the corridor and find somebody and say, Let, let's just go and have a coffee or let's just go to the photocopy or whatever it was and, and just talk about that idea. And And people might say, Roger, that's really stupid. Or actually, why don't we try and do something with that when you leave big corporate when you start on your own you know i mean you might be working from your home office like i am or you might be renting a bit of space in, a, in another office mm-hmm. you have got that immediate access to other people and i've missed that like i really miss that it it was it was the hardest part of becoming an independent entrepreneur 
And I think that communities like Youpreneur can give you that back. You know, okay, a lot of it is, is, is forum-based, um, but you, you can also create relationships with people. You can start Skyping people or Zooming people or Facebook living people, yep, yep. whatever it might be. And, and for me, Youpreneur almost filled that gap, that social gap that I was lacking after I left big corporate. And I think the other thing as well, I like to learn. I've, I've always liked to learn, and I've never believed that you, you can stop learning. And I, and, I, and I don't know whether this is right or wrong, but I'll, I get the impression today that some people think, oh, I've learned it, everything. I don't need to do anything. Yeah. I'm the best that I can be. I'm, I'm a guru or I'm an expert. You and, you and I know that this world that we live in changes every single day. You know, a new app comes out, one goes bust, another one comes along, new technologies, VR, whatever it might be. In order to keep on top of what's going on, you need to be constantly learning. Mm-hmm. And what better way is there to learn from like-minded people? And a community like Youpreneur sort of collects those like-minded people together. So to sort of continue the analogy, if I have a silly idea now, Rather than walking down the corridor to find somebody to have a chat by the photocopier, I'll go and post it in Youpreneur. Or if, uh, if I want to find out a little bit more about what's going on with Vine or what's going on with Periscope or what's changing, I'll go and post a question on Youpreneur. Yep. And in the same way as I would have got a really good answer and a really good pointer from the people within the company, I get the same from the Youpies. Yeah, no, I'm with it. I mean, like for me, yeah, and, and people who listen to this show, this is not a sales pitch. You know, this is important. And you join Youpreneur or you don't, or you join another community. It it really doesn't phase me all that much. If you get value from the show, but you end up going and join another community, that's okay. As long as you get the support and the accountability that you need as an entrepreneur, that's my number one goal. When I ask the, you know, I ask rather these these types of questions because. For me, this is what I wished I had. Yes. Without a doubt, seven years ago now, when I started online, when I started blogging, when I started podcasting and using, you know, social media and doing stuff on YouTube other than just watching silly cat videos, like <laughs> this, this was. I still watch cat videos. <laughs> Truth be told. Do I, so do I? I've actually got my own cat, so I make uh, cat. Yeah, videos. no doubt. Um, <laughs> but I, you know. I needed this community seven years ago when I started out and there wasn't one out there like it. And that's not the reason why I created it. I just know that, you know, almost a year and a half in now that we are doing things right and we're doing things for the long game as a community, as a business. And and I just, when I hear that kind of feedback from people like you, it makes me happy that we're doing things right. And the importance there of, of the support and the accountability cannot and should not be discounted at all because it's one of the biggest game changers for me as an entrepreneur is to have that built-in support and accountability system um, and I know you feel the same way as well Roger. Yeah and one of the things that I do best for my customers and for my clients is actually the strategic piece 
Um, I am quite, I'm a very creative person, always have been. I mean, I can remember having conversations in, do you, do you still have appraisals these days if you work for companies? I imagine you probably do. Probably. People would, to me, you know, Roger, you're a really creative person. That's excellent. You get a big tick in that box. But do you know what? Your project management skills absolutely suck. So your goal for the next year, Roger, is to be better at project management. And of course, I would fail miserably at that because project, project management isn't my thing. And I was always thinking well why are you trying to get me to do stuff i don't want to do surely i should be doing more of the creative stuff but what what i'm what i'm what i'm thinking when when i talk to customers a lot of them are saying we need a strategy but we think that we're not good at strategy or 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 worse they've got this perception that strategy is all about soul destroying two-day meetings off-site with you know project plans of a hundred long and all of that sort of thing i actually think that you can make strategy simple and i help people make strategy simple but once you've got the strategy inevitably you have to put a plan in place and even now chris the actual detailed bit of planning and that could be a gantt chart or it could just be a spreadsheet or something in trello or something like that that is still probably one of my weaknesses that's where i need help I can think of the big picture. I can give people an overall plan and a direction and a vision and a mission statement. But the detailed planning is where I fall down. So I don't offer that. But I mm. do get that support from Upreneur. So I can go into Upreneur and say, right, this is what I want to do over the next couple of months. And I have to say I've been a bit lax on that over the last couple of months for, for obvious reasons. But you'll get somebody say, did you do that, Roger? You know? Mm. have you actually followed up on that mm. have you put plan together i know you don't like putting those plans together roger i know you find the detail part of it really tough but have you done it yeah and again okay in big corporate i would i would get some overbearing hr person jumping down on top of my head saying why haven't you done this plan your bell curves not in the right position blah 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 and i didn't like that but when you've got that accountability coming from people who you respect and admire and who are as uh, focused and as um, entrepreneurial as yourself, mm-hmm. then it feels like they're in it with you. And, and I, I just love that. I think that is priceless. Where do you feel the element of the personal brand is going to sit uh in business and entrepreneurship in the next three to five years. I'm curious, as somebody who's had a long career in a certain industry, where do you feel that personal brand element is going to come into play more than anything else over the next few years? I think personal branding is so important. Um, This is, you know, they always say, is it serendipity, which is a happy accident? Probably when website domain names first became available, I just took the punt and bought rogeredwards.co.uk. Mm-hmm. It just felt to me as if it had to be done. Maybe there was an element of a slight element of ego in there. I never had a plan for it. I never even thought I would ever use it. And then here we are, 10, 15 years, however long later it is, and I have built a personal brand using that website. You know, recently I bought Roger Edwards dot live because I believe <laughs> in, in live video and, and, and the way where that's going. But, but I think that probably too many people don't think enough about their own personal brands. And 
if especially if they work in a big corporate. Now, if you work for a, a legal and general or an Aviva or, or outside financial services, you work for Boots. You might think, well, there's no point in me being John Smith on the internet and trying to push myself because I work for Boots or I work for Aviva. Hmm. But I do think that, you know, if you ever harbor any ambition of working for yourself, create your own company, getting out of working for somebody else, then you have to put the roots down now to start building your personal brand. Now, now again, a lot of the things that I've done in my career probably paved the way for my own personal brand without me even knowing about it. You know, I, I, I spoke to journalists a lot throughout my um, financial services career. So people in the financial services industry know Roger Edwards. Um, so I had that advantage. And then when all this digital stuff fell into place... I, effectively, I had the foundations ready to build upon. Yeah, and I, I would, I would, uh, I would just say to anybody who's listening to this, if you, if you, even if it's just a tiny little morsel of an idea that one day you want to leave the company you're working for and to create your own business, start working on the personal brand now. It won't, and it shouldn't clash with your employer. It won't, and it shouldn't clash with their brand. I mean, let's face it, they're they're. And Aviva and Aboots are spending multiple millions on their big brands. You're never going to compete with that. But people like dealing with people. Yep. People like... I mean, you, you say this on stage. I'm probably nicking your lines here, Chris. <laughs> but people like dealing with people. And that's another lesson that I've learned since I've been independent. Doing the podcast allows people to get to know you. Gosh, doing video, you know, I, I'm, I, I always say this, I've got a face for radio. I'm not a pretty picture, but people see what I look like. But you are, I'm telling you. Allow me, to, <laughs> allow me to flatter you, and you and I have spoken about this, and I've been vocal inside of the forums and on our mastermind calls and things like that. You do video, social video, very, 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 very well. You do a great job at bringing us into your world even if it's just for 90 seconds, 120 seconds, you yeah. show us your surroundings, you have a giggle, you provide value, you are what you are, and we can't, you know, there's, there's, it's, a, it's as transparent as it can get. Um, and I love that about your social video, whether it be Snapchat or Instagram or anything you do on Facebook, like, you're very good seriously very very good at social video in terms particularly in terms of the uk as well because there's not enough people in the uk doing video properly online and that's no. why i believe that if you get involved right now right now um this is the time to do it because as we said at the top of the show the uk is three to five years behind the u.s um just last month we had uh you know our good friend ian anderson gray on to talk all about live um video on facebook and after we were done talking he was you know i asked him what's going to be the focus for 2017 and he said well i want to do more live video i want to start doing more uh, facebook live consulting stuff and i said more no 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 that needs to be it like you've got to focus in on it. You do it now, 24 months from now, the BBC are going to be calling you when they need a Facebook Live correspondent for an interview, you know, at 6 p.m. Not somebody that's just got on, you know, five minutes ago. You, you place, you place the, uh, the, the foundations now for that stuff. And uh, he got all jazzed about it. He, he got all excited about it, which I love. Yeah, and I think you said it exactly just then. When you're on video... 
people can see the real you. Yes. You can't put a mask on. Uh, they can see you warts and all. And, and uh, again, as, as you say, if you inject a bit of humor in it, show them your surroundings, take them behind the scenes of your business, mm-hmm. then you become somebody that they can like and somebody that they can trust. Yes. And, and whatever, however m- many multiple millions Boots and Aviva spend on their marketing, a brand like that is still, to me, bricks and mortar. And you can never put a physical personality into a brand like that. But you can, because you are a physical person, put all of that uniqueness that you have into your own personal brand. And getting yourself out there, it, it's, it's, it's just the way forward. And, and, and I'm probably, I mean, I, I'm, I'm a, a great um, fan of Ian Anderson Gray, and we've talked on Skype on a number of occasions. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I think we've, we've even crossed paths on, on, on Facebook Live. I share that. Uh, that that desire next year is absolutely the the year for live streaming video. It, it's so exciting, and I say this, you know, the, the aforementioned um, Voyant user group that I was speaking at in London recently. I said to them, I could broadcast this speech now live to the entire world. Not that the entire world might want to listen to what we're talking about, but I could. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. But there was that immediate. Oh, for God's sake, don't do that! You know, people started ducking down behind. <laughs> The, the chairs and hiding under the and and there is still that fear and again in a regulated industry say well, we can't possibly do live video because if you're live you haven't had what you're going to say pre-complied oh so we can't do video all we can do is to is to get it signed off get somebody recorded separately and edit out anything they get yeah so and you think oh no no please just do it get out there can you imagine the effect you would have if you were the first financial services oh, good God. people to yeah. start really truly embracing this for god's sake this advantage this i don't know how long we've got before the big brands like boots and viva i suppose start doing it and spending millions on it and start making it look like proper tv programs we've got a window of opportunity before that happens so I would say to all the smaller companies and the, the financial advisors, you know, get out there with your iPhones, create this content now and start to get your customers knowing, liking and trusting you because this opportunity is one of the most exciting we've ever had. It sure is. It sure is. And I'm, I, I'm thoroughly in agreement with you in regards to, you know, doing it now and not waiting any longer. Hell, I mean, look, here I am after seven years. I just started a bloody YouTube show. I mean, like, <laughs> I, it took me long enough to get around. And do, even though I've got hundreds of videos up on YouTube, i got to do something right. You know what I mean? I've got, I've got to do something regular. To the darker zone. It's so good. It's so good. I, I want to get, get like a voiceover artist to do something for that. I've, I've got to do it. I'm going to do it. I don't know. There might be copyright issues involved there. I'm not sure. I'll have to look into it. Um, Roger, <laughs> absolute pleasure hanging with you and uh, having you on the show. Thank you sincerely for coming on and sharing your story. I'm sure there's a lot of people tuning in to the show who can uh, not only align themselves with you in regards to that big, strong corporate background, but now wanting to shake things up in the wrong way, but also just from an entrepreneurial tale as a whole. I think you've done a great job getting where you are so far, and I look forward to being part of your journey moving forward. Thank you, Chris. It's been an absolute pleasure. 
And if anybody wants to get in touch with me, uh, rogeredwards.co.uk, that's the website. Or if you're looking for the live video, rogeredwards.live, that's how you can get in touch. You're so good. So up to date. So good. I don't know what else to say. So good. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you also for being with me today. I very much appreciate it. I'll be back at you again next week. Until then, make sure you go and check out the show notes links to Roger's websites and everything else, chrisducker.com forward slash episode 206. I love you lots, more than life itself, actually, at times, and I'll be back at you again next week. Bye for now. It's the idea of an entrepreneurial community where you get to learn from the best in the business, as well as rub shoulders, gain support, have access to immediate feedback, as well as nonstop accountability from your peers. Is something that excites you. Then visit youpreneur.com for more information and to get started on building a business you can truly be proud of today. That's youpreneur.com. We'll see you on the inside.